2: Hello and welcome to the Parenting Tools podcast. My name is Jason. Uh, My name is Jordan. This is the podcast
3: where we celebrate the the wins and we laugh through the challenges of parenting.
2: (laughs) So, Jordan, tell me what's been happening. Oh,
3: so, fresh one, this one. Straight in. So from what I hear from older parents, trapping your children's fingers in a door is like a rite of passage. It's going to happen at some point. (laughs) And uh, it happened to us yesterday with our son, who's three and a half. We were at my in-laws and we just heard the screams. Uh, He trapped his fingers in a cupboard door. Well, it's a full-on door. It was a a wardrobe upstairs, not a cupboard door, it was a wardrobe door. Um, but it's kind of like one of those wardrobes that's built into the wall. So it's a full-on house door. He got his fingers trapped. And uh yeah, it the the screaming and the crying was
0: oh
3: it was oh bless him. I felt so sorry for him. He was crying for such a long time and his fingers uh well it's, it's only one finger it's quite purple. His nail is obviously black. Um, I suppose the only win was is that it was his nana that did it, or that was with him. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't me or my wife. So we don't carry that guilt. But <laughs> yeah, it wasn't nice. So uh, that was,
2: yeah, not good. <sighs> it's horrible when they hurt themselves, isn't it? Like today, mm. again, this is fresh, 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 fresh. I think I already texted you about it. Um, just before we came to record the podcast, bedtime routine we have a little dance before bed and uh, my daughter decided to jump off her bed it's not it's not high but it was still high enough for her to, to jump head first into my knee Oof. and it left a mark and On your uh, knee? <laughs> 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 oh her cheek oh, honestly I was so devastated and what rubbed it in what made it so much worse is that when she went to jump again off her bed which was she was fine too um, she went, Daddy, you stand over there. I don't, don't want you to hurt me again. thought oh. like, you better not tell anyone that. It sounds like I'm knee you, you in the head. I don't want you to hurt me again. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> feel horrible. Uh, and my yeah. wife was like told my daughter just to go give me a cuddle because I think I felt more devastated than she did. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do, don't you?
3: You definitely feel oh. worse than they do. So yeah, well, we're off to a flying start this week then between the <laughs> both of us.
2: Have you got uh, any? Uh, have you got any parenting wins from the weekend? Parenting wins. Do you know what? I, I don't. I don't think I do. There's there's one thing that happened. I don't. This is a win. This is just a really funny story. Well, I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> so this week I had to take Monday and Tuesday off work because my daughter was ill, and uh, something new. Uh, the the isolation window. Oh. It's just this, is this like a COVID-related thing. I, no, it, it, the incubation period or something like that. Whatever, whenever your child catches a bug or like a little bit of a nasty thing going around, doctors and nurseries and schools will tell you, like, incubate them for forty-eight hours. Don't don't bring them to school. Don't bring them to nursery. And most of the time, you can't do that because you've got to go to work. <laughs> so <laughs> as soon as they're better, off they go. Um, but we thought we'd be good citizens. And keep our daughter at home for the incubation period. I had to take some time off work to do that. Um, and the first day was actually quite nice. She just slept all day. And we cuddled on the sofa. the The next day she was back to normal, and it was lovely but exhausting. Um, but on the way home, uh, from when we went shopping, on the way home, she went. Um, she was looking outside. There was like some bugs on the window, um, and she's like, "Oh, Daddy, I've I've got a bug in my tummy." <laughs> oh. What have you eaten? <laughs> yeah. like, no, darling, you haven't. You haven't got a bug. We we call it a bug. It's just just means you're a little bit poorly. she's oh. <laughs> there oh. thinking for like two days that she's got like actual infestation inside of her. <laughs> there's there's something living inside of her tummy. <laughs> oh, that's
3: wonderful. <laughs> Jason, on today's episode, we've got a uh, a legitimate expert yeah he actually knows what he's talking about somewhat yeah it makes a change so this was a really insightful conversation and i really quite enjoyed it so on the podcast today we've got alistair bryce clegg who's a wow he's an educationalist i think he described himself as he's a an education consultant um he's done a lot of work and a lot of research around uh, children developing and it was really nice just to to hear his thoughts and his expertise on why kids do the things that they do. And uh, I felt like
2: I'm not a terrible parent after listening to him. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed this. And again, yeah, I I felt a little bit lighter after listening to it I felt quite good about myself, but uh, it's a, it's, it's a good episode. It is a good episode.
3: And if you've got any questions uh, on the back of it or anything that you want to send our way to, to pass on to Alistair, please do. At Parenting Tools Pod on Instagram and TikTok, or parentingtoolspod at gmail.com. Amazing. So, we uh, have a listen. Let's do it. <laughs> so, welcome to the Parenting Tools Podcast,
1: Alistair. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. Glad to be here.
1: A lot of um, my friends, when I told them that you were coming on, were really excited. Um, they've heard us talk about my first five years in the podcast, and they were really excited to have you on.
0: They probably need to get out more. <laughs> 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 then again if they're new parents they're not going out at all so fair enough <laughs> if i can bring a little joy i'll do my best
1: oh i'm sure you will do so alice we always ask our guests who are you and what
0: have you got <laughs> what have i got <laughs> what have you got what have I got? There are so many answers to that question. So I am Alistair Bryce Clegg. I am obviously on a parent podcast. I'm going to tell you I'm the father of three now grown-up boys uh, who are now 24, 21 and 19. And I have got a 35-year career in early childhood and early childhood education. So started my life as a reception class teacher and then worked my way through various schools in various areas became a head teacher for 10 years opened an early years unit in the northwest of england and for the past 15 years i've worked as a, an early years consultant traveling fortunately all over the world working with people who are working with children so working with children has been kind of my life and my career and then i had three of my own just to test out the theory really <laughs> and how did that go Not so well. (laughs) No, no, I I love my children, they're great. I mean, I am really, really good with other people's children. I think when it comes to your own children, it's always just slightly different. Because obviously they can push your buttons and they know exactly which buttons to push. And the relationship you have with your own children is very different to that you have with other people. So, yeah, it's... It is really interesting. I think as an educationalist, when you are looking at what you're asking other people's children to do, or the policy that you put in place for other people's children, it's always good to reflect on that in terms of your own. So yeah, it's been a really interesting and fun journey. And it doesn't stop, I kind of thought, when they got bigger that they would become independent and leave me alone. And what just happens is they get bigger, the problems get bigger, the requirements for finance get bigger, everything just gets bigger. So, yeah, one day I'm hoping, you know, maybe.
2: That's super. That's amazing. And I know Jordan mentioned it a little bit, but um, tell us a little bit about your podcast.
0: So... Um, during lockdown, my very good friend, Jenny, and I uh, established a company called My First Five Years. So, My First Five Years was born out of a, I suppose, a really familiar um, lockdown thing, which was Jenny had a member of family who had a baby during lockdown, couldn't see any of the family, so therefore was sharing things on WhatsApp group, saying, "Ah, oh, isn't he cute, look at him now, look at him now, which you do. And one of the videos she shared with Jenny, Jenny messaged back and said, oh, he's really cute. But did you realise what he's doing there is this? And that actually links to this. That's a really pivotal moment. And the mum messaged back and said, oh, my goodness, I never would have known that. I just assumed he was just being cute. That's amazing. Tell me more. Can I send you videos all the time? Hmm. So we had a conversation where we said if we could give parents even just a small amount of the kind of early childhood knowledge that we've got about child development, it would really help them to see parenting differently. Because a, a lot of the things as a parent, you don't know that you don't know, of course you don't. And often we think about the big milestones because they're the things that stick in our head, they're the things that the books talk about, they're the things that all our friends talk about. And so, you know, you get that what we call comp paranoia, where you're thinking, my child's not doing that yet, but that child is, or my child hasn't rolled over yet. I mean, I, my brother and I, he's two years older than me, we ended up having children very close together just by chance. 20 odd years ago, and my mum was really bad for saying, oh, Gareth Seldes is doing this, and he's sitting up now, and I see yours isn't sitting up. And that was like my mum, who's supposed to love me, was kind of saying, oh, (laughs) see, David's doing these things. So that, and you do get it. And when we were in NCT group that we did with our first one, again, this kind of eight of you, and you all have your babies quite close together, and all you do is all the time compare about, should my child be doing this? And when you look at the child development, the kind of science behind it. The idea that by three months, every child will have reached that milestone and by two years, every child will have reached that milestone doesn't back up in terms of science. And the other thing about milestones, which I could talk about for ages, is sometimes they're based on 25% of children, sometimes they're based on 50% of children and sometimes 75% of children. And sometimes the milestone in one country is different from the milestone in another country. But if somebody said to you... 75% of children are doing this by the time they're this age and your child isn't you might feel a bit like should they be but if somebody said oh do you know a quarter of children still aren't doing that by this age it's exactly the same statistic just framed in a slightly different way you'd be like oh if a quarter of children aren't doing it what am I worried about so my first five years podcast was born out of the My First Five Years app, which you can download from the App Store, which is this idea that we want to try and give parents as much child development information as we can. We know that parents are time poor, so we try and do it in a way that's really succinct and it's really laser-focused on where your child is in their development. So we don't do ages and stages. We don't talk about it's six months you should be doing this. We basically say, tell us where your child is right now. We plot them in to a learning journey across six areas of development and then we kind of guide you through this is what's likely to be next this is why it's important this is what to look out for and these are some activities that you can do with your child that will be really good fun but also really impactful for their development just to try and make parenting a little bit easier and a little bit less stressful because it is ultimately really stressful oh that that's so good and that was one of the questions
2: i was going to ask you about the comparanoia sort of thing when i first heard that on your podcast it resonated so (coughs) much My my daughter was born kind of three months early, and like so, we were obsessed with milestones. And has she caught up? Is she doing all these sort of stuff? And she's she's two, nearly three now. We've kind of chilled out quite a lot on that. However, when you've got a newborn, or especially those first like couple years, it's so like all all consuming of comparing my child to another child. And I suppose in a way, some of it's like some of it can be helpful because you're you're using it like for us, we were using it to kind of go oh she's actually all right. Let's just chill out a little bit. So comparison wasn't necessarily always bad, but it's when you're constantly comparing other kids and all
0: that- I think also, and that comparison against milestones is good if your child's achieving. Mm. And things like talking, for example, can occur between anything from about 10, 11 months, right up to two years. So there's a big gap between when some children start to talk and when some do. And we, our first child, talked at about 11 months, uh, like intelligible talk, and we and lots of other people would describe that as him being an early talker, and really there's no such thing as an early talker, it was about he talked at this stage of development. Like, you know, one of my children walked at 11 months. Another one of my children didn't walk until they were 16 months. But they can both walk now and they can both run and they can both play football. So there's a massive gap. And as parents, we were panicky about the second one not walk until much later on. But actually, developmentally, it was perfectly typical and doesn't make any difference. Of course, there will be children who fall outside of typical milestone development and they will need some support but for the majority of children for the majority of milestones they will achieve them but they just don't all achieve them at the same time
2: I think that's I think that's really helpful because obviously when you've especially if you've only had one or two kids you don't really have any other frame of reference um and even, well if you've, you've, you've had one or two family, kids you're, yeah.
0: yeah you're very wise stop there because <laughs> we did we did have the accidental third whom we love and wouldn't be without <laughs> but it wasn't a planned event. It was a too close together, lots of sleep deprivation, wedding anniversary, too much red wine, third child syndrome. So yeah, stopping at two is, is can be a really good idea. But I mean, it is, and you do chill out loads. I mean, we, when we had our first, Obviously we did all the stuff that you do and we had big decisions about do we send him to nursery or a childminder and by that point I was a head teacher at the local school so I had all the goss on who the good childminders were and I had all the goss on your know, all that kind of stuff. So it's in quite a privileged position. So we went for our childminder Bev who was just amazing and ended up looking after all of our children and Fee's sister's children and blah blah blah. But with our first one we dropped him off. And we'd made food that was in little ice cubes and we boiled down bone broth. And he had a little journal that we asked her to keep on a daily mm-hmm. basis. All completely unrealistic stuff. By the time the third one came along, we were literally dropping them off on the doorstep in their pyjamas with a banana in their hand. Saying, sorry, they haven't had breakfast. Sorry, we need to go. So, yeah, we did chill out a lot by the time the third one came along. But that first child, the minute when you shut the door and it's just you and your partner, if you were the partner, and that child, that moment of exhilaration that you've brought your baby home, but complete loss at, like, what on earth am I supposed to do now? That moment, I mean, you're know, 20-odd years later, I can still remember the moment when we shut the door and just thought, blimey, what's this about? What have we done?
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. We had, um, it was literally day one, the first night we were home from hospital, and um, we put him in his pajamas, we put him down in the cot next to the bed as you do. And we sent pictures to our family saying, night family, turn the lights off. And he just started screaming. And we thought, this didn't happen last night. From, yeah. from our one night of <laughs> ex- experience hang on. we've got, this is different. Yeah. Um, and we just didn't know what to do. So we tried everything. And then we realized, oh, actually, they cry. And uh, it turns out that they don't like sleeping at nighttime. And it's a learning curve, isn't it? Every day.
0: There is, reason there's loads that you don't get told. There's so much to know about baby oh. development that you couldn't, and, you, you know, we read all the books, because the, the, the internet wasn't invented when we had our first what was invented, but we got all the baby books and did the thing. But even that thing about the fact that children, there's no such thing as a child that sleeps through the night. They don't exist. And we know that as adults, we don't, none of us sleep through the night peacefully we have periods of wakefulness and periods of sleep but also children are pre-programmed biologically not to sleep so children who don't have lots of long wakeful noisy periods are the unusual children but yet the pressure on parents is the thing people ask you all the time is are they sleeping through yet the most annoying question ever that's asked and also are they a good baby and by good baby they mean do they sleep through the night and actually (laughs) equating good with sleep It's really bad because biologically your child is not programmed to sleep through the night. And often it can be until they're four or five years old. And if somebody had told us that, I mean, A, you might never have children, but if you were more prepared and thought actually what is happening here is perfectly typical for early stage baby development, you wouldn't be beating yourself up or thinking, right, what programme, what schedule, what can I download off the internet now that I can try to get my baby to sleep through. When they're developing that circadian rhythm of, like, when is day and when is night, it, that takes time. But also the size of their stomachs is such that they can't fill themselves full enough to get all the way through the night without being hungry. So there is, you know, that thing you have as parents where you're like, why are they crying? I've checked their nappy, you know, they don't seem to be hungry. Your children, as they're developing physically and cognitively, their brain is going through stages. Often they're called regressions, but usually they're progressions. It's where a child's brain's developing or they're physically, their bodies developing, their bones are growing, their muscles and their tendons are developing. That will affect their sleep. And therefore they have more wakeful periods and more kind of antsy periods. But again, as a parent, if you thought, well, actually, I know I'm knackered and I know they're awake again, but this scientifically is often a sign of development... I might feel a little easier with that rather than thinking, I'm just getting this wrong. Why is my sleep routine not working? Yeah. And again, yeah. we think we've got them in a routine and then there's no such thing as a routine. So many times we said, no, we've got them in a routine. It lasts for like two days and then you're out of the routine into the next one. So again, if you didn't expect to get your baby into a routine, then you wouldn't beat yourself up so much about the fact that they're not on a routine.
1: Yeah. Oh. And that's one thing I really like about your podcast is, um, yeah one thing i love about the podcast is that you kind of give people the listener that knowledge of this is why that happens and i remember it's almost like you feed in patience with that information i remember listening to the one we talked about discipline and and tantrums and it was kind of like this is why that is happening rather than this is what you do to fix it so when the next tantrum happened i was a lot calmer because i knew the reason why um one thing that I want to pick up, Ahasta, is that you use the term realistic parenting. And I've mentioned this on our podcast before, which I absolutely love. Are you right, just to explain a little bit about what you mean by realistic parenting?
0: So I think, yeah, the there are so many types of parents that you can aspire to be. And I noticed that even on the NCT website, they put a list with definitions of the different sorts of parents that you can have. And... Sometimes when you look into or if you follow on TikTok or Instagram a particular parenting trend what I find this really bizarre is people can be quite vicious about that's not an example of gentle parenting because a gentle parent would never do this and parents are beating each other up around what's being a gentle parent and what isn't and actually being a gentle parent for example is more about you than it is your child it's about your style of parenting so what you aspire to be as a parent and sometimes the idea that you will as a human being be able to fit into that box and adhere to all the mantras of that particular sort of parent is just humanly unrealistic. So when we talk about realistic parenting, what we mean by that is some days you will be amazing. you will be thinking I am God's gift to parents. That's why I was put on this earth. Go, let us have 16 more babies because I am (laughs) really good at this. And then Other days you will think, I wish I had never drunk that final glass of wine. Uh, Why did we ever do this? My life is miserable. I'm tired. I've got no money in the bank. Nothing seems to be working with my child. They're literally playing me on an hourly basis. And so realistic parenting is about saying we are human beings. And therefore, if you aspire to be the best parent you can be, that's brilliant. But you will have crappy days when you lose your temper with your child. And not that I'm advocating that you are losing your temper with your children all the time but again there's really interesting scientific research around the fact that if you never uh lost your temper or had a fallout or a disagreement with your child and everything was perfect there'd be a whole raft of skills that your child would never develop Mm -hmm. because you need to have that emotional dysregulation and then emotional regulation you need to coach children through that you need to be able to say I'm really sorry I raised my voice, or I'm really sorry I snapped. Daddy's just really tired, and sometimes when I get tired, I'm not very good. you know, saying the things I should say, but I'm sorry and I'll try better because what you're doing then is coaching your children through that. But they learn a huge amount more from having that experience and then the coaching around the resolution of that experience than they would if they never had that experience at all. So again, you don't want children being miserable on a daily basis. And I'm not saying it's okay for parents to be constantly shouting at their children, but there will be times when you are tired or frustrated or we know again, scientifically and psychologically that you parent either often as you were parented or against how you were parented you tend to fall into one of two camps but in times of high emotion so when you're very stressed or you're very tired your subconscious parenting spills out So sometimes you will say and do things that you wouldn't do usually because you're emotionally dysregulated. And so therefore you're kind of clicking into subconscious parenting and acknowledging that that happens to everybody. And it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you recognise it and then do something about it is a really positive way of not beating yourself up if you're
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
0: Can't be a perfect parent on a daily basis because nobody is. No matter what Instagram tells you, nobody is.
2: That is so helpful. I remember listening to that again on your podcast and just the revelation kind of just hits you of, oh, just to... Just, uh, Our expectations of ourselves can be so high, can't they? And I think often we are our own worst critics. And that, for me, especially as a dad, when I make a mistake, I beat myself up so much. But actually just having those adjusted expectations, there's there's so much more breathing room.
0: And again, you know, somebody who spent their entire career working with other people's children and doing qualifications around child development, all that kind of stuff. You know, I am not and never was the perfect parent. And I got it wrong way, probably more times than I got it right. Because you parent, that relationship of parenting with your own flesh and blood is really different to that relationship of your interaction with other people. I remember once being downstairs when my boys were quite small, must've been old enough to be kind of around the house by themselves or maybe I was with the youngest near the other two were upstairs and my eldest shouted boys boys come and see which is never good and he said i've done a massive poo in the toilet and it won't flush so i'm uh, then he said i've even chopped it in half with a coat hanger and still it won't flush. (laughs) So I found myself at the bottom of the stairs just bellowing, where is the coat hanger? Freeze! Nobody move! Put the coat hanger in the bath! Do not touch the coat hanger! (coughs) You know Those classic things that you're... I have many stories like that but you know where i just where you don't manage it well you don't kind of switch into oh that's interesting blah blah blah. you just <laughs> click into more as so we all do
2: Ah, oh, it's, it's so helpful because the thing that's like you see a lot especially the the trending of gentle parenting and that was one of the questions i was going to ask you but that puts into a much healthier i think frame of mind of the realistic versus the gentle because a lot of people are just arguing around like what actually is gentle parenting so actually putting it in with uh, realistic parenting helps for me anyway (laughs) puts it in a more healthy kind of frame of mind
0: And I think that there will be benefits to lots of different types of parenting. And I think the idea that as parents, we are even thinking about how we parent is really important. Mm. But I think it's also dangerous to try and get lost in the labyrinth of am I reaching the standard of a particular parenting type? And I think if we always go back to the science and research, which is the other thing about my first five years, is we wanted it to be a space where if parents came, they knew that what they were reading wasn't somebody's opinion, it wasn't something that we downloaded, you know, off the internet. It's all backed by science and research. So anything we write about is usually referenced uh, with two sources, one of them usually is uh, like an academic paper, and um, because we want People to know that what we're talking about is the current thinking around what we know to be true about child development. So, I think there's so much we do know now that we even didn't five and ten years ago about how children regulate their emotions mm. and how often what we expect as parents and often grandparents are unrealistic expectations of where children are typically in their development that actually, if we just change that lens ever so slightly and look at it slightly differently, then you can relax a little bit, but also think, actually, what these children are doing is not being naughty, and we could discuss that for about an hour. (laughs) What they're doing is actually showing typical signs of development like when children begin to lie, or when they start to kind of manipulate the truth, or when they start to do things that are outside of the adult's expectations of behaviour, so they might carry on doing something when you've asked them to stop, or they might just lose it. because. You know, you ask them, do you want the pink or the green cup? And they said the green cup. So you gave them the green cup. And then they say, but I wanted the pink cup. And that just becomes then this huge meltdown. you but I asked you which cup and you said the green cup. So there's lots of things like that that actually show really positive signs of cognitive development. So things like lying on great. But apart from the fact we all do it all the time, Mm -hmm. and I think lying is something that just oils the wheels of society. So we will say things like, oh, I love your jumper, or thank you for my Christmas present, Grandma, I love it, when you clearly don't. Mm -hmm. But the ability to lie for children... When you're little you think that everybody thinks exactly the same as you do. It doesn't occur to you when you're really little that people know things that you don't know or that you know things that people don't know. And when you make that realisation that actually I know something and you don't know it and I can tell you something about it and you won't know whether that's right or not because you don't know what I know. That's a lie, basically. But what it also is, is a massive shift in your child's cognitive ability to think. So their brain processing's got even better and even greater because they've now got what's called the theory of mind. So I know that what I think is different from what you think. And then they use that and they test it out in these little lies that they tell. So I think around things like lying, which is a whole podcast on its own, I think what you've got to do as adults is there are... It's unrealistic to say to your children, we will never tell lies, because also children aren't daft and they will see you telling lies all the time, even if they're just little white lies. But it's about that regulation between what's a lie that's really gonna hurt somebody or that's damaging and what is a socially acceptable lie. And that as parents is a really interesting conversation to have with your partner, if you've got a partner, around how you talk and what you talk about. There was an interesting report the other day about how does Uh, do smart speakers make children rude? Because uh, there there was some research that said smart speakers are making a whole generation of children who are really rude, like there's a whole generation of children that speak like Peppa Pig. Uh, But the thing with a smart speaker is, when you say to a smart speaker, whatever play Harry Styles. You don't say, please play Harry Styles on the smart speaker. Thank you very much, Alexa, or whoever your smart speaker is. And the smart speaker does exactly what you ask it to do. So children who are beginning to learn language acquisition and structure of language will hear you say, Alexa, what's the weather? And Alexa answers. And so they will say, Daddy, get me a drink. And then you're like, uh, pardon, where's your manners? But actually, it's just that they are like little sponges and they're just here in the language that we use, the way that we use it. It's why little children will swear because they're here. It's in the ether. It becomes part of what they say. So as parents, we've just got to be A, more polite with our smart speakers, but B, just a, that awareness of what you say and what you do, they will copy because you are their point of reference or their primary point of reference.
2: Oh, it's so funny. I think we've spoken about this before on the podcast. Of we had to change how we spoke to Alexa because my daughter was yeah. getting angry at, like, the incompetence every time it got something <laughs> wrong. Uh, but even as you were just saying that, it was about, like, we, we noticed, and probably me and my wife didn't really even talk about this or recognise it, but as you've been speaking, it's kind of just clicked. Thank the you. moment that we realised that my daughter could begin to lie, we saw that as a step of, like, oh, she's getting more intelligent now. We took it more as a positive thing. But we started framing it in the when we were talking to her about it. If, instead of saying oh, "Are you lying?" it was more "Are you pretending?" rather than "Are you lying?" And I think it was just something subconsciously for me and my wife of going, "We don't want to kind of bring the negative side out of this because this seems like a positive development." Um, and so we've kind—I mean, she knows what it is now because we talked about it. But it's more of that for us. We're trying to not put her off from developing that part of her brain. I know she'd be fine anyway, but it was just for us subconsciously trying not to make it negative.
0: And also we know that to actively manipulate, so to try and emotionally manipulate another human being is quite an advanced skill. So children who are just beginning to experiment with the concept of truth or the fact that the theory of mind better, about I can say something that I know that you don't know. What they're very unlikely to be doing is actively trying to manipulate you emotionally. They're just practicing with this new skill that they've learned. So sometimes we give our children greater credibility for actually being way more manipulative than they actually are. All they're doing is just rehearsing and practicing, rehearsing and practicing because it's something new and something that they can do. So sometimes, as parents, and we all do it, you frame what your children do and especially the, the stuff that you find more negative you frame that in a particular way because you feel it more emotionally as a parent but actually there's often very little malice in the things that children do it's mm. just about rehearsal yeah, yeah
2: and i think that's that's what we try to recognize that we didn't think that she was being malicious in what she was doing but it was the yeah. it comes into the the value thing doesn't it of how you where are we now defining values much earlier than i thought to be honest i don't think we'd happen to be thinking about this now when she's two Uh, but it's just oh it's just so fascinating
0: well it is it's like when they can smear lipstick all over the face or whatever and have it in their hand and you will say who did that to you and they'll go it wasn't me (laughs) i didn't do it or who drew on the wall it was and what they're not it's it's about their cognitive process they're not at the stage of development where they can say, I know that I did that. I know there are consequences for doing that. So I'm going to lie and say I didn't do it. They're not that advanced yet. This is just about the early stages of emotional response, cognitive response. And yeah, it's again, when it's somebody else's child, you stand back and you watch it and go, oh, that's fascinating because look, you can see that and you can see that. When it's your own child, you're like, well, why are you lying to me? I can see it's in your hand. You You did it. But I mean, that's why I mean, I've mean i made a career out of it, because I genuinely find early child development is so fascinating. There is so much to know, but that early brain development, where they are literally laying those foundations, is just fascinating. But also, as adults, we can't remember what it was like oh. to form those early concepts. So we bring to their development an adult view, and often that adult view is a little or takes them further down the journey than they're actually on. And sometimes it's about saying, actually, if I just reframe this ever so slightly and look at this as development, then I'll see it slightly differently.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Alistair, one thing that we do, when we have guests on, and experts like yourself, we get a bit selfish and we just ask questions about the things that we want to know at the minute. Um, Fair enough. So one thing that I've noticed, so I've got two children, I've got a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old. So they're both toddlers but both very different stages of toddlers I've always been alright with tantrums because I just think they can't speak they can't regulate, they can't get across what it is they need to say so I've been very patient one development recently is that thing of my three and a half year old Uh, we were in the car and he was kicking the seat in front of him and he's at the age now where he can understand I looked at him and I said can you stop kicking the seat please he carried on, I said Please stop kicking the seat. You carried on. So a bit more sternly, I'm asked you to stop twice. I want you to stop kicking the seat. And he looked me dead in the eye and he kicked the seat. Now, for me, that was a that was a, a new thing where I thought, that isn't just he's young and he can't regulate. He knows exactly what he's doing. What's going on there? Yeah.
0: Well, A, get used to it because there's a lot more of that to come. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's been a lot since then as well. B,
0: Yeah, and fundamentally, when you are a little human being, and, well, there's loads of things. Ultimately, it's usually about power and control. So when you have a realisation, so like when we have little children, and we wash them, and we dress them, and we feed them, and we put them down, then they... Get to a point where they realize that actually they can begin to say no or if they can't articulate no they can begin to show no and again that's their brain development in terms of they are taking a bit of the power and away and they it's not a manipulation it's not that advanced but they're experimenting with the fact that they don't have to stop when you say stop an interesting little trick to try is rarely say please to children if you're trying to get them to comply with something because please gives them an option it's a request So if you request, they can always say no. If you say thank you, so stop kicking the seat, thank you, and they are used to that level of language acquisition, then thank you is a kind of conclusion, and you would say thank you when somebody's actually stopped doing something or given you what it was that you want. So sometimes that can help just the language that you use. But if they are having a little power game, distraction's a really good thing to try and use, because if you're also driving in there in the back of the car and they're kicking the seat in front, you can't be next to them. But trying to do a... Rather than saying, stop what you're doing, shall we play a game? The other thing that's really common is when you name a particular action, you are consolidating it in their head. So if I said to you now, don't think about pink elephants or don't think about chocolate, all you're doing is think about chocolate. So if you say, don't kick the car seat, you're literally reinforcing the action of kicking and what you're going to kick. So... You can try things like saying, can we play a game? I'm going to count to three. Can we freeze? Again, depends on the age of your children. Can we keep our feet really still? And you make it as a, I'm not going to say stop kicking the car seat. What I'm going to try and do is use distraction to get you to think about something else and turn it into a game. So I think it's accepting that when they get to this stage of testing and they are testing out that kind of power, balance when you say stop they will keep pushing it and they'll keep pushing it and they'll keep pushing it because that's what their brain and their cognitive development is telling them to do rarely and i think this is where sometimes parenting tips into you either get very cross or and then what you if you are then, and we've all done it, but if you're then literally, and I'm not saying you did, but if you turn around and saying, right, stop, if you don't stop kicking that car, seat, then it all escalates. You're showing emotional dysregulation. So you're kind of showing them that when you don't get your way, what you do is escalate your emotion. You're raising your voice. And also what that can do, even with your own children, is bring in a sense of kind of intimidation and fear. So you're then starting to get your parental control by making your children to some degree a little bit frightened of what might happen next, which can be a loud voice. It doesn't have to be anything other than that. So thinking about the fact that where they are in their development it's not likely they're not gonna say, do you know what? Now you've said it, I've reflected on my poor behaviour and I'm going to stop (laughs) kicking that seat. Thanks for your heads up. They're going to keep pushing because they're testing the boundaries. So if we can deflect that behaviour, because we know that it's really unlikely for you to say stop it, and unless you're going to frighten your child, they're likely not to stop it. So let's try some different strategies that are around not naming the deed and planting it in the head, distraction or making it into some kind of game or something different and ultimately not backing ourselves into corners which we do all the time as parents by saying if you don't stop that, then this will happen. Because especially if you're driving the car and they're in the backseat, what are you going to do? And you can't say if you don't stop that, then when we get home, there will be no pudding or there'll be no treats because between now and home is an eternity in a developing child's brain. So when you are trying to... Behavior manage it needs to be as immediate as it can possibly be because otherwise if time passes everything shifts and they can't associate the action of the time with either the punishment or the reward so it's really hard to do but try not to make threats about this will happen if and go more down the route of can I distract can I redirect can I make this into something more positive rather than a negative experience? But again, dead easy for me to say when I'm not sat in the car with somebody constantly banging their feet into the back of my <laughs> seat, which would give you the rage. It would absolutely give you the rage, especially if you're tired. Oh
2: man, oh. that was that was really insightful. Thank you. I was uh, I was half expecting you to give uh, Jordan's parenting a rating out of ten there.
0: <laughs> no there is no judgment in in a realistic parenting situation there is no judgment Mm -hmm. other than you know we're not (laughs) smacking children but other than you know we just in the moment it's that's why it's really hard sometimes to give parenting advice to other parents because in that moment there are so many other elements that will be part of what makes up that experience plus there is the subconscious child and parent that exists within you that pops out even when you're not expecting it it's really hard to be able to say this is what you should have done in that moment but the fact you can give more general advice around if this is where your child is in their development then this is unlikely to work but these kind of things might then it just means that next time if you can you can employ some of those strategies but if you can't for whatever reason and it all goes wrong again it's not the end of the world Oh,
2: that's amazing. Alistair, we could actually chat for hours. There's so many different topics that we could dive into. Um, and even just, as Jordan said, bring all my own issues into the table. Um, but just for our listeners, how can people um, follow you, First, my first five years? How
0: can people find all that content? So the My First 5 Years podcast, you can find wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, My First 5 Years has got its own website, which is myfirst5years.com. Um, we've also, we're on the socials, so you can find us on Facebook, where we've got a community that you can join for free. And it's a community of like-minded parents, where we also, Jenny and I, pop on. And also we've got a really good uh, team of early years experts that work with us. And we've got experts around things like feeding and sleep as well as child development. And they often pop on into the group and answer questions. Um, And you can download the app. It's on the app store at the moment. Android is coming very soon. We're literally only a couple of months away from that. But you can download it. You get a 14 day free trial where you can really dig in. You can onboard your children. You can see what we're all about. Um, So yeah, there's plenty of information out there and you can have a look read some blogs that we've written articles anything we can do to support you and if people want to get in touch then they can email high five at miffy.com m f f y my first five years that's right dot com and uh, if we can help you we'll get back to
2: you Ah, oh, amazing and that's been so helpful thank you so much for coming on the podcast i've genuinely like, oh, feel a are. little bit lighter and less judgmental of my own parenting <laughs> good no, that's uh amazing. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you for all that you you're
1: doing on the podcast and to Jenny as well. I uh, really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much.
2: Ah, oh, Jordan, that was that was good, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Really insightful. Yeah, I think I've uh, got a lot to ponder. There's a lot, lot of wisdom there, and I think I'd love to I'd love to have him back on and like dive into some of those topics a little bit more.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What I really like about Alistair and, and Jenny and said this as well is that they just kind of explain the reasoning and i know that he kind of offers a few tips there but you know he said before that he's a a dad of three boys himself like he doesn't say if you do this it will work Hmm. you know or try this and that will work he kind of offers you know this is a different way that you can frame it this is the reason why but a big part of why we called this podcast parenting tools was because you hear like top tips top tools None, none of it works (laughs) and it's you've just got to like be patient and try something else and you've got to be patient if that doesn't work try something else and that's what I really like about my first five years is that they take the pressure off it's like just be realistic about your expectations
2: and try something else if that doesn't work and I I really like that it was really easy for me just to like every time he was speaking just to visualize situations that I've been in and go okay that's why my daughter's just not listening to me or when I told her to stop doing that she just kept doing it <laughs> i I now understand that's that's helpful i'll uh, I'll yeah. check in with you next week see if it's actually worked
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah the bit about don't kick the seat like all they're going to focus on is kick kick in the seat yeah I it's just human nature that, isn't so. it yep completely jace I want to uh, I want to bring up the hair saga again oh, the hair saga the hair that's saga that- is growing like hair.
2: Itself. There's gonna be a word for something going on this longer, longer than a saga. What's what's that? A debacle.
3: <laughs> the hair debacle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the word is. But we've had a message on Instagram from Jane who said I was exactly the same. So this isn't just a piece of extension. No. My my gran gave my mum a wig to put in the cot with me. <laughs> It Did't work, so my mind immediately thinks, and it must be the case that her grandma gave her one of her own wigs uh, uh. To, give, to to give to to Jane when she was in the cop <laughs> is this is this a common thing? This is not a common thing. I'm saying
2: that without any knowledge, but it's a very safe assumption that it is not a common thing like pre mass like manufacturing of teddy bears <laughs> yeah. give me your wig greater. <laughs> Vera's walking around with a cold head but there's a child asleep in bed
3: <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if you're not
2: the only one with a wig in your cot please do let us know we would love to hear your tales you can contact us at Parenting Tools Pod on TikTok and Instagram
3: yeah and we often ask for your parenting uh, woes and your stories what, why not get in touch with your parenting wins let us know oh, yeah that's we- good
2: yeah let us know what's worked for you recently have some positive vibes going yeah positive vibes i I, <laughs> I mean you felt old as soon as i said vibes i immediately felt older when i said posy. so <laughs> ah amazing thank you so much for listening and uh, we will see you again hear you again be in your ears again next week <laughs>